Well, good day, Fellowship family. We continue in our series called Way of Life as we look at the Sermon on the Mount and how Jesus is calling away from our lives into a way of life that he has for us. This has been an experience that has called us to a deep and bold commitment into the person and the work of Jesus. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And today's message is no different. We're going to take a look at our treasure. And you know, way back in November of 2016, (laughs) we talked about our treasures, didn't we? And I made this statement back then. I said, everything follows my treasure. A treasure is the effortless flow of time and energy and money from my life into something that I think will give me significance and worth. And so the the corresponding statement I made with that is if you follow the flow of time and energy and money from your life, you will find what you treasure. You cannot hide that. And it's actually the whatever you're treasuring, whether it's spiritual or not, what you treasure, things just follow. And so Jesus is going to continue to teach us in this area. He's going to realize, especially to our culture right here in the United States of America, we have a treasure problem because we are treasure seekers. And, and it's not always God that we, we seek after. And so Jesus is going to set it straight. He's going to confront our culture. He's going to confront our hearts. And he's going to call us into a greater treasure than anything we could build for ourselves here on earth. Let's take a look at how he's going to, or what he's going to say in uh, Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 19. Look at what Jesus says. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust uh, destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust can destroy or where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's keep reading. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great that darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one... And love the other or be, or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. There's three things I want you to remember from what Jesus is teaching here. And they have to do with what we're living for. The person we're living for, the place we're living for, the possession we're living for. Each of them define our treasure. Let's take a look at that first question. What person are you living for? And I I get this from the last statement that Jesus said. You cannot serve God and money. You just can't do it. Here's my point. How many, just to illustrate this, how many of you would like to eat whatever you want to eat? Okay. And then how many of you also at the same time want to lose weight? Can you do that? Okay, you can't eat whatever you want to and lose weight. That's just impossible. You can't do that. How many of you would like to say whatever you want? Come on, everybody put your hand up. I've watched you on Facebook. I've seen, I've read your posts, right? 
But while at the same time you can't say whatever you want to and let your words always be seasoned with grace. You just can't do it. You can't do it. How many of you would like to do whatever you want? But how many of you want to be married and have kids? You just can't do that. You can't do that. It's incompatible. Some of you sleep-deprived parents, you're going, amen, I can't do. I haven't lived the life I've wanted to live in a long time. And there's great joys in that, aren't there? But there's also great sacrifices. Because to love someone the way Jesus loves them, you have to give up yourself. That's the definition of the love that God has for us. That we love one another and give up ourselves for another like Christ gave up himself for us. How many of you would like to buy whatever you'd want? Okay, but then how many of you want to be generous at the same time? It's impossible for us to buy whatever we want to and then at the same time be a very generous person. And Jesus sees that too because whether it's me or whether it's Christ, there's, there's, they're differing. I can't serve myself and serve Jesus at the same time. That's why we've made statements over the course of this series is that we, when we follow Jesus, we give up our right to do whatever we want, to say whatever we want, to spend whatever we want. We just give up that right to be about something greater than ourselves. And you're saying, oh, Joe, but it says money there. The flow of money, if my life is all about me, guess where the flow of money just follows? It follows right into me. So our lives are either going to be about me or God. Me or Jesus Christ. We want to talk to you. Jesus is saying, make me your treasure. Wherever you're at, whatever you've been seeking, whatever you found, whatever counterfeit you saw there, make me your pleasure and your treasure. And so it's either going to be about you, you or Christ. Second thing, what place, what place? Before I move on, let's look back at Philippians 3, 8. Paul had it right. He made his treasure Christ. He says, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Think about what Paul did. He looked at everything beside Christ and said, rubbish, because he was from Great Britain, right? No. No, he counted them as garbage, refuse, something you'd throw out because nothing compares with Jesus. What person are you living for? Find, follow the flow, find the treasure of Jesus. Second question, what place are you living for? Jesus says, don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay them up in heaven. And, and so we've got a choice to make there, not just a person, but a place. And the person that we are serving, the person we're living for, will determine the place where our treasure goes. And here Jesus is saying is either here or heaven. He makes no bones about it. He says, ultimately, I'd like you to save up treasures that last, treasures that are in heaven. Paul got this right again when he said in Philippians 3.20, he says, our citizen, if you are here and you've trusted in the person, the work of Jesus, your citizenship, your passport literally comes from heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you realize that? So the place you are living for matters. If I'm living for just this time on earth to make the greatest experience I can get out of this earth to get things from people so that I can be there or to make the greatest contribution uh, of my life in just thinking of the here and now and I ignore heaven, 
I will miss what Jesus is talking about. Have you ever traveled someplace? I remember four years ago, I went to Ethiopia and I exchanged US, US dollars for these things called burr. And Ethiopian burr, and I have seven of them left. And I'm kicking myself today. I go, why do I have Ethiopian dollars here? They're burr here. Because uh, there's a hundred in, in each one of these is a hundred. And they represent, they represented the time I traveled there at about like six dollars and fifty cents per hundred. But, but now their economy went down. So now they're only worth four dollars and twenty cents. Okay. But they're even more worthless. Because I can't even go to Chick-fil-A and go, hey, I'd like to have that sandwich. I can't go to the, I'd like the number two. Here's, here, can't, they won't take this. It's worthless in the United States. And you go, okay, but we could find, no, I can't find a bank in Topeka who will translate Ethiopian burr into U.S. dollars. If you're a banker, you go, try me, right? Okay. Yeah, in two weeks, I'll get money back, right? But so we're supposed to live as if what we have right now only last because we're ultimately thinking about heaven's currency, right? So we are to take as much of this as possible and translate it into something that lasts. Because what God will do when we bring our money to heaven, which we can't do, by the way, he will just go, nope, nope, that's not the currency of eternity. And so we've got to see everything in the light of that. What place are we living for? What place are we living for? Or here, now, or heaven? And then the other question is, is what possession are you living for? So possession, what's the end game of everything that flows through us? Uh, it's either going to be temporal or eternal. Because the things that are temporal, what does he say? Moth and rust, they destroy it and thieves break in and steal it. But things of heaven, moth and rust, it's, they cannot happen. They aren't taking, first Peter, um, I love it. Everyone who followed Jesus in the New Testament who, who wrote about it made their lives about Jesus, about heaven, and with an eternal possession. Look what he says. Peter said, in an, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Moth and rust, covered, taken care of. They, they're, they're not a threat to the inheritance that we have with Christ and eternal life in heaven. What possession are we living for? Now, I know many of us think we can't take it with us, but the pull of things is immense and powerful here. And we we wonder, well, how can I make the most of this experience? How can I really do this? It reminds me of the story of a guy who was on his deathbed and he said, I know uh, people say you can't take it with you, but I'm going to prove the point. I think I can take it with me. He was just kind of an angry guy at that. And so he called the three guys he thought he could, he could really trust the most. So he called his pastor, his accountant, and his lawyer. And they came in. And at the end of the bed, he said, hey, I'm going to die soon. So here's $100,000 of cash in each one of these suitcases. I want you to take it. And when they're burying me, just throw it in the pit and I'll take it with me. And they said, really? He said, yeah. So he dies, and they go to his funeral, and sure enough, three guys show up, three suitcases, they throw it into the thing, and they go and have lunch. And the pastor goes, I can't live with myself anymore. Um, 
He gave us, gave me a hundred thousand dollars cash for my church were short on their budget by twenty five thousand. So I took the twenty five cash and I put the seventy five and I buried it with him. And the accountant said, "Yeah, well, I got to confess too. I am fifty grand low on my taxes, and so I just took half of that cash, and I uh, I buried the rest with him." And the lawyer said, "Well." I just wrote him a personal check and put it in the suitcase. <laughs> and, and he can cash it when he wants. So we can try to fool each other on this one. But we can't fool God. We can't. There's just no way out of this possession. Either it's going to burn up, it's going to rust, it's going to be stolen from us, or it will last forever. Church, what's last forever? God. His word, and say it loudly with me. People, you are priceless. You are eternal. People is one of the greatest compliments God can entrust in your life. And as a pastor of a church, I love people because each one of you are priceless. Each one of you lasts forever. And so Jesus says, is that the future I have for you? You can actually be strategic in your life right now. And make your life last about the things that last forever. Now, if you study comparative religions, you're going to find that every religion has a picture of the future. And most of them is how can you be satisfied and you be pleased and you have life the way you've always wanted to live in that heaven ever or happily ever after scenario. But Jesus is very clear that heaven's not going to be about us. It's going to be about him. It's going to be about the glory and the beauty and the wonder of God. It's going to be life on the way that he originally planned us to be in relationship with him. That's going to be far better than any image we can create for it here on earth. That's why we've got to really look to his word so that we're always seeing what God sees. Which is exactly what Jesus says when he says, where your treasure is, there your heart's also. Look at verse 22 of Matthew 6. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then your light in you is darkness, how great of darkness. What does that mean? Because it's kind of a picture of uh, if you can see things and, you know, you got, you're in light. But what Jesus is saying, and so he attaches it to our treasures, is if we are people who live for ourselves, that is what's called a bad eye. That's what he's talking about. If you're looking and coveting what others have that you don't have, if you're looking what you have and you want more and and you're um, jealous of what others have, that's a bad eye. If you spend it all on yourself, your your world is kind of dark and implodes into yourself. But the word, the cultural word for a generous person was a person with good sight. Isn't that something? Because if we see what Jesus sees when he looks at life and eternal life, we might just have more truth. We might just have the reality of what God sees when he looks at us, when he looks at the world, and when he looks at heaven. And so it's in that picture of us having the light of God show us what's real. Can I tell you something? Usually when I want something I don't have, I have to see it first whether it's with my eyes or with a vision of life. And so we've got to be careful. We've got to be people who are slow with our eyes so that we always keep the right light, that we 
move our eyes and fix our eyes on Jesus because he will determine then and he will give value to everything else we see. So it's in that spirit that I want to call you just to a picture of how to make the best investment of your life. If you really do last forever, how do you invest in the here and now so that you can make a difference for eternity? And the first one is this. Take a good look at what God has already given to you. There's three words when I think about what are the greatest gifts that God has given to me. There's three words. I talk about the gospel, I talk about the goodness of God, and I talk about the gifts of God. And I think about this. each, uh, Almost every week I have a, a practice in my life where I just thank God for his goodness and his grace and his mercy in my life. And, and so when I think about it, let's think about the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the greatest gift we've ever received. Paul was so enthused with the gospel in 1 Corinthians 9.23. He says, I do everything, everything I do in ministry, everything I do in life, I do it for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessing. See, the, the gospel is, starts with the bad news. You ready for the bad news? We are broken, we are sinful, and we cannot save ourselves. I know that some of us like to think I'm not as bad as that person. As long as we have that person in our target, then we think we're doing better. And that builds arrogance and self-righteousness. That doesn't build a humility with the gospel. The reality of the gospel is all of us here don't deserve God's grace. We don't, we actually deserve his wrath. But instead, because Jesus came and he lived a perfect life, because he, Jesus, died on the cross for my sins, and he took the wrath of God for me and for you, and and because this same Jesus rose from the dead on the third day and defeated the power of sin and death in our lives, that everything I need, Jesus has done for me. And it's, it's freely offered to whoever would call upon the name of Jesus That's the gospel. This liberates us from the world's religions that basically say, keep measuring up, keep coming, keep giving, keep doing, and maybe someday your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds. And we all fall on the person and the work of Jesus. That's the gospel. And since we've received the gospel, we don't want to just go, okay, let the gospel dead end with me. We want to be people who are gentle, respectful, but bold in our proclamation of the gospel. We want to give it to others. And so we're to be generous with what Jesus has given us in the gospel. We've also been called into and given the goodness of God. Paul steps back from the wonder of who God is and he says, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. This passage just shows you the greatness and the glory of who God is. But you know, through Christ, you have the goodness of God in your lives. It's not something we deserve, but Jesus has taught me actually a new way to live. Because he's sharing with me who he is. And it's not just to be bottled up in my life. I'm to be good to you. Because God is good to me. Uh, When you hurt me, I'll forgive you because God forgave me. When you're kind, uh, unkind to me, I'm called to be kind to you. Not, Not because you deserve it, but because I don't deserve it. And Jesus was kind and good to me. 
We have the goodness of God. How are you sharing? How are you stewarding the goodness of God in your life? And then we have the gifts of God. I love Psalm 145, 16. It says about God, you open up your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Every living thing. From birds to animals to my next breath and yours to uh, the next dinner that we have or food that we have to the next opportunity we have to the next business opportunity we have or job opportunity or relationship. God is the giver of it all. He's the source and sustainer of everything. And we are receivers. And as we're receivers, we're called to give that. So God has given us some things. He's given you some things he hasn't given me. Some of you, it's time. You're, you're retired and you go, I've got all this time. What do I do with it? God says, use it for things that last. Invest it in the lives of people. So I talked to a guy last night after the service and he said, man, I wake up every morning and because I'm retired, I pray an hour and a half and I pray for my family, pray for my grandchildren. I pray for our church. I pray for you. I pray for our city. I pray for our country. I pray for our world. And I go, wow, man hour and a half. He's investing his life. There's nothing you can do that's greater than prayer. Nothing. Nothing. And he spends an hour and a half of his day. That's a good use of his time. Some of you have energy. I'm 51. And I even noticed in the past 15 years, I have not had the stamina I used to have when I first came here. But some of you, energy is just pounding off the walls. You're 16 or you're 18 or you're 20 years old and you've got all the energy. Don't waste it on video games. Don't. Don't keep comparing your life with Facebook or who could be more profound with your statements or your political action on Facebook. Invest it in the lives of people. People last forever. And so pour your life into ministry. One of my favorite things I absolutely love about what we, how we invest young people for things to last together is we put them in with kids to lead kids so that there's another voice speaking into their lives. Each one of my kids, James, Jack, and Nathan have had other people pouring into their lives. Some, some just a little bit older than them and some my age that we're building into them. Another voice speaking into our kids because they're investing in people. People who last. Some of you, God has given you more abilities. He's given you more skills. Use it for him. Some of you, God has given you more money than others. Invest it. Be generous. Have a good eye to the goodness and the good things of God. Secondly, set your eyes, not on the dot, but on the line. And I put this up there just so that I might... Prick your, gener- your uh, curiosity on this. What does this mean? Look what Paul says as he teaches in 2 Corinthians 4.18. He says this, We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Think about this. What's seen right now? And what can you see? Of everything that there is, what are you able to see right now? You're able to see a dot, which is this life. 
And this life has your house, it has a car, it has clothing, it has uh, education, it has everything your money flows into, everything your time goes into, and everything your energy has is contained into a life. Now, I know that we're living longer than we've ever lived before. However, in the realm of eternity, this is just a dot. And it's not a dot on that screen, it's a dot in this room. It seems really insignificant, doesn't it? But why do we spend so much time cramming one more thing, one more opportunity into that little dot and ignore the line? Because as God looks at our lives, he sees this. You are someone who was created and born, and then you are someone who lives forever. You will spend eternity either with God or without him in in heaven or in hell. The Bible's clear on that. I didn't make this stuff up. It's because God sees it and he sees you in that continuum. And he longs for you to make and to live strategically now so that you live in the light of eternity then without regrets, but with joy. Live for the line, not the dot. When you're in the dot, think about the line. Think about what that's going to be like. Think about the person and the people you'll be with. Think about the people you can bring with you to the line and, and liberate your life from the dot. It starts with your treasures. If you're so preoccupied with the things of this world, you will be overwhelmed by the dot and you will miss the line. Live for the line. And then value everything in the light of eternity. Value everything in the light of eternity. I don't know if you've ever had something of value that you had an appraiser come in. But an appraiser usually takes their time, right? They don't just, you know, look 100 feet away and go, yeah, that house is worth this or that diamond on your hand, that's worth it. No, they go up close and they go slow. We are an impulse culture And we're led by eye candy. What's the next thing I can get? What's it? What will it cost? I don't care. I'll just, what is, and we find the money to do whatever we want. But a follower of Jesus gives up that right. A follower of Jesus starts valuing things is what lasts forever. So my car, does it last forever? No. My house, will it last forever? No. My education will last forever. Well, it lasts a long time, but not forever. People, will they last forever? Yes. Me, will I last forever? Yes. Fill my life with things that last forever. And value everything. Value everything. Just as Paul did in Philippians 3, 7. He said, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Which book you're reading will determine value. And if you're reading the things of this world, it will determine a far different value than this book values everything in light of eternity. So use this as your valuation book. This is your blue book for life. It will determine what's valuable. I think about what's going to be, um, what's going to be happening um, in the future And when we meet Christ, and Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 14. Look what he says. He says, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation, and earlier he said that foundation 
is Christ. When your life is about Jesus and you build on that foundation, if that work, if you, your life is based on Christ, that work survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. What does this mean? Well, salvation is by grace alone through faith. We don't get to heaven by working our way there. We get there because Jesus offers it as a gift because he's paid for it all. But when we get there, there seems to be what's called an eternal reward where God rewards us. Now, I don't think it's going to be something we go, my reward's bigger than yours is. I don't think we'll be doing that for eternity. We'll have different motives. We'll have different desires. But I can't, as I read scripture, I can't escape the fact that there are rewards given for faithfulness and following Jesus and living for eternity. And some will trust Christ here, but basically go living however they want to. And when they come to Jesus, they'll survive, they'll be saved, but as through fire. And others who leave it all, who leave it all, to make their lives about Christ, about a place called heaven, and about a possession called eternity, they'll receive a reward. And I think what we'll do with that reward is we'll just worship God with it. And it'll be a greater blessing to us in eternity. And because of this, here's my final point. I think it's important then to invest invest as much time, as much energy, as much many resources as we can in things that last for eternity. Invest as much as you can in things that last for eternity. Think with me. Jesus is speaking to his disciples about uh, the distraction of money and possessions and about how many who are wealthy are overwhelmed with wealth that they miss the large picture of who Jesus is. And Peter goes, well, what about us then? I mean, we left everything to follow you. Look what Jesus says to Peter. He says, anyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and receive eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Let's just talk about that. What Jesus is really offering us is an investment of our lives. Because the payoff there is a hundredfold. Folks, that's not a hundred percent. That's 10,000 percent. If you invest people's money, you know there are very few investments you can make that pay off a 10,000 percent increase. That would mean if I gave you $10, you would give me back a thousand dollars. If I gave you a thousand dollars back, you would give me a hundred thousand dollars back. And if I gave you that hundred thousand dollars, you would give me ten million dollars back. How many of us like a hundredfold increases? How many don't want to raise our hands because it's Sunday morning, but still want to make that investment? We all want to make that investment. And what Jesus is saying here is trust me on this. Whatever you do on earth about the person of Jesus, about a place called heaven, and about a possession for eternity. Trust me on this. It will pay off far greater than anything we are seeking on this earth. So, here's what I want to do. 
in 50 years, I will probably be with Jesus because I don't know that I'm going to live to be 101. And so just with statistics, I'm probably going to be with Jesus in 50 years. And if you are a believer in Jesus, we'll probably have different departure times, but we'll all probably in a hundred years be with Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I want to have coffee with everyone in this room in a hundred years. Who will do that with me? Now, there's going to be coffee in heaven, by the way. There, there won't be golf, but there will be coffee. Some of your golfers are going, okay, but God will only give you a one iron, okay? So, so when we have coffee, Kevin, aren't you excited about that? Okay. Um, so Kevin has a coffee company, so that's why I said that. So when we do that, when we do that, here's what I want our conversation to be. Was Jesus right? Was he really right? When we were back on earth and he asked us, don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay it up in heaven. Was he right? And you will look around you and you will go, he was right. He was so right. I mean, look at this place. They're using gold as asphalt. They're paving roads with it. And everything I did to get more of that, and we're walking on it. We're dusting off gold dust from our shoes. And the energy we have up here. None of us are tired because God is our strength, our ever-present help. The sun never sets because we have the glory of Jesus. He's the source and sustainer. I look at people and I see them for how God sees them. Finally, not as objects for me to use or abuse, but people for me to value the way he does. And I'm loved and I love more than I ever have. He was right. Would you have that conversation with me? And if you'll do that, I want you to live in the light of that right now. Live so that conversation we can go, boy, when we talked about what Jesus called us into, this is how it changed my life. And I have no regrets. Folks, you don't want to be wrong on this one. You don't. We want to be people that whatever God has given us in this world, we invest for the next. Are you in? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for just giving us a new appraisal of our lives and this world and what we're living for. And in what we can see of you, thank you for opening our eyes to see you for who you, who, who you really are. And we just set back up. Amongst all the distractions, we set Jesus as the person we're living for, but heaven, the place we're living for, and eternal life, the possession we're living for. And Father, however you're going to do that, would you just change our affections, our addictions to the things of this world, to move them to the things of heaven, so that we would, we would give all that we are, all that we have, into things that last forever. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.